Welcome to the JPR Group Podcast, brought to you by the JPR Group of Baird Private Wealth Management. We're dedicated to bringing our clients, colleagues, and centers of influence the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and information to keep you informed and confident. Also, listen in on conversations with industry leaders and interesting people from around the country that are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the JPR Podcast. Hello and welcome to the April 2022 Advisor Roundtable of the Perry Ritchie Group. My name is Drew Ritchie and we are here today with the entire advisor team. Welcome advisor team. We've got Andrew Boyles, Josh Marson, and Sean Perry and we've got a pretty packed lineup for today. So we started the first quarter off. We had lots of volatility in January with interest rate uncertainty. February uh, added to the concern and volatility with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And now we are all the way through the first quarter. And here we are uh, back to talk about all of the events happening today and try to unpack some things for our clients to uh, help you feel more comfortable with the strategies you have in place and try to bring information to you. So we're going to, we're going to dive right in. Sean, um, we have some, a lot going on in our practice. So before we get into the markets and the economic update and the things to discuss around that, tell us what's happening with the Perry Ritchie group right now. Yeah, well, today we're coming right off of having Michael Antonelli in our office this morning Michael writes a, a blog called Bull and Baird and works for Baird and is a market strategist. So he was in the office and visited with us and talked about a lot of great topics around behavioral finance. And it was really interesting. And we're actually going to have Michael on this podcast in the next couple months. So he agreed to do that. So we're excited to bring that content to clients. You, you interviewed Michael a year ago, sometime kind of maybe at the height of COVID. That was a really great conversation. I'm not, it was one of our first episodes. It was early in the process. I remember Michael was in his basement. You know, we were all That's locked right. down at that time. But uh, he's a great guy, really into music and food and, and does a great job bringing culture and markets and weaves those together into a great conversation. Frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox Business, very, uh, very astute speaker. Very astute. You're yeah. right. Uh, a couple other things, the, the picnic that um, historically had been in June, we did last year in October. We are going to keep that in October again, so look for that coming later in the fall. Claire Wilson, who a number of you have met, she served as advocate for some of our clients and has been an active part of our team, got fully licensed over the weekend, so that's an exciting thing. Um, those are are things that are hard and can, can be stressful. So now Claire's past that. So she's going to be fully coming on to our team on July 1st. So reach out to Claire, give her a big uh, virtual high five. And, and we're so excited that she's going to be on the team. Yeah. So Claire was on our podcast uh, just last month with the Advocate Advantage with Jacqueline and Brooke. So yeah, she's going to be playing a, a big role on our team. That's um, another update that I wanted to mention. So coming uh, over the next month or uh, into the summer months, there's going to be some rebranding going on with our podcast. So as our podcast has really developed quite a following uh, at this point, we've tried to categorize the different types of podcasts that we have so that people that consume those can easily get to the kind of information that they want. So Claire was featured on that podcast as an advocate as part of our conversation series. So we've got four different series, the Advisor Roundtable, this discussion that the four of us are, are clocking in 
once a month to have that discussion. So we've got the advisor roundtables. We have a conversation series. So with industry leaders or uh, different topical discussions, we have a market education series. Josh or Sean often lead and interview industry experts. And then we're going to have a fourth um, centered around finding your financial advisor. So um, a new new topic for a book that we're launching this summer and uh, something that we can't wait to share more about. So, yeah, that's uh, uh, some more updates. You're going to see some rebranding and some new artwork with the podcast and some things that go along with that. So uh, we look forward to, to bringing, that, bringing that to everyone. Yeah, so, like you said, Claire was a part of that Advocate Advantage, our most recent podcast we released, and her and Jacqueline Brooke did an amazing job on, on that podcast and talking about the newsletter, and we're just so proud of the job they did. Did it's such a uh, the advocate program is something we've invested so much time uh, and resources into, and it's such a value add for our clients and for our practice. So I can't wait to to see uh, what new directions that they take that pro- program that really focuses on life event services, stewardship, and then the standard of care that we develop. So uh, good stuff, good stuff happening with that. Josh, I think I want to start with you today with uh, kind of the discussion around like first. Uh, Last month, March, the Federal Open Market Committee, the Feds, met, and we had our first interest rate increase since 2018, I believe. Is that correct? That is correct. We were expecting that. Very much expected, and the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell made sure that the markets were very in line with what his expectations were going to be. Yeah, so that increase in March was a quarter of a point? A quarter of a point. Um, they can do whatever they'd like. It's not a quarter point each time. It can be a half a percent, whatever the Fed feels is necessary to, to control the economy or even, in this, this case, inflation. So let, let's just have a conversation about it for a second because we know the, the Fed, when they meet, they set the Fed funds rate, right? So when we talk about interest rates and how they move, we track that by looking at the 10-year U.S. Treasury. That is not the interest rate that the Federal Reserve sets, um, but they're all uh, very much interconnected to one another. So what have we seen with interest rates so far this year? Well, initially, like I said, you know, the Fed funds rate bounced up a quarter of a percent. Uh, 10-year Treasury, which is, once again, one of the different interest rates that we follow, is right now tracking around 2.7%. Okay. which is um, much higher than it's been for a period of time. So uh, it's safe to assume as the Fed increases rates, the 10-year can go up, but it's not one-for-one one with that happening. Sure, it's not a perfect correlation. That's right. You, so we were in the 140s at the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken, right, Josh? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so that increase from where we were at the beginning of the year to where we are now is <clears throat> somewhere from, you said, 140s to around 27 mm-hmm. at this point. That's right. Yeah, so huge increase percentage-wise, massive. Almost double. Almost double in a very short period of time, uh, and it affects a lot of different areas. I mean, look at mortgage rates uh, across the country. At the end of last year, you heard friends and family, uh, and then look at them today. So they in some cases they're you know 70% more they than they were at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And we really have to <clears throat> excuse me kind of put that in some historical perspective where mortgage rates are now seem to be 
you know, um, exponentially higher than just a year ago, low compared to, to history. But let's talk about the bond market for just a second. All of our investors, uh, maybe not fair to say all, but most of our investors are conservative, have fixed income exposure. We've seen a market correction in the first quarter of the year. But at the same time, we've also seen negative returns for bonds. So what what do you guys, um, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I'll start. I think Sean had a great example earlier. He was talking about the last time that, you know, the Barclays Ag, which is a index, was lower than the actual markets were. And I believe it was in the early 2000s. Is that right, Sean? I think it was 2004. Yeah, it was early in my career. I can remember, you know, rates moved up pretty sharply and we saw some negative impacts to, to bonds. But we've been, historically, we've been in a a 40 year bull market for bonds, you know, right. bond, bond interest rates have moved down from the late eighties, almost in a, they've, they've went down over that long period. I don't sure. want to say a certainly, line, but. yeah, certainly trended down. Yeah. So it's tough when our conservative investors look at their portfolio. Now they've all locked in new highs as of December and January. And we know that behavioral finance tells us when they lock that in, any decrease hurts, right? The, the, the pain of losing money is twice as strong as the pleasure of, of making money, uh, we understand. So it, it's it's tough to swallow when we see the stock market go down and recover. I think as we sit here today, uh, does anybody have that number? The market, the S&P 500 is down what? on when the, Today's April 11th, 2022. Yeah, through the end of last week, um, it was down around 5.5%. Okay, so through the end of last week, the S&P 500 is down 5.5% and the bond market aggregate is down over that same time period? Closer to 8, 7.9-ish right yeah. there. Yeah, so n- not not quite double, but down significantly more than the stock market. Um what does that, what is impact does that have on our average investor, Andrew? Yeah, it can vary. And, and when looking at the bond market and, and more specifically what, what you own, you know, uh, that performance um, ties a lot to uh, the duration or, or what type um, of bonds you own. Now, now we, we try to stay away from jargon yeah. <laughs> just a little bit, best we can. It's a, it's a complicated uh, industry. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What is duration? Yeah, so duration it, it's basically the time frame in, in which you you own that that bond. So just you know the easiest way to think about it is the um, shorter the time frame. So if you were to purchase a a six month T bill or you know even a CD that's marketable, um, you know it uh, the price of that reacts much less than some than a a ten year bond or a twenty year bond. So the longer you go out, the longer you want to lock in that fixed rate. Um, the more sensitivity that it has as interest rates move and, and volatility creeps into the bond market. Which, <clears throat> which means that it's even more important, or we'll say just as important, that a bond portfolio be diversified amongst different uh, maturities, different durations, different qu- credit qualities. We don't oftentimes think of that the way we do diversifying stocks, uh, but we know the bond market can be um, even more complicated. You're, you're exactly right. Just like stocks, there's a number of different ways that you can diversify bonds, whether that be through duration or time frame um, that you own it. Is it six months? Is it 10 years? Um, or as you said, the credit quality, is it, um, you know, highly rated? Is it more of a junk bond? Um, so there, there's a number of different ways that you can diversify within the fixed income class. Yeah. 
So that, that's important for our listeners to remember that when they look at their online access, they're looking at their account, and they, they see that they're down in a lot of cases, even more than the S&P 500 for the year, it's because, A, they, they don't own just the S&P 500, just U.S. or just large cap, but their fixed income has, has taken it on the chin, as we say. That's right. And it's important to remember that it's uncomfortable right now, you know, um, you know, seeing the bond market down the way it is. But you also have to remember that, you know, when we experience volatility, you know, like in March of 2020 or early any time, uh, again, typically bonds serve as that, as we would say, that ballast of the boat. So um, you, you can't look at, at this specific scenario and want to say, well, we want to completely get out of bonds um, because they have been an important part of the portfolio for, for a long time. I'd like to turn back uh, to Josh and Sean uh, for just a second, Andrew, if that's okay, and talk a little bit more about the Federal Reserve before we sw- switch to uh, inflation, uh, one of our favorite topics to talk about now. But the Federal Reserve, what are you guys uh, hearing or reading about what it looks like is in store for us for the rest of the year with the Feds? I think you can take that a bunch of different directions. You know, we, um, we were even talking about that this morning about how the news media loves to put the one person on that's going to have the most crazy out outside the norm view. Um, I think we are likely to see interest rates increase. You know, it, it would be silly for us to speculate on how much that is, but I think the Fed's going to continue to do that. They've made it apparent that controlling inflation is their number one priority, uh, even if that means intentionally slowing down the economy some and by by you know, by continuing to increase the Fed funds rate, they are, you know, slowing the economy down, which will, will hopefully um, sort of slow down the inflationary process. I think there, as we talked about earlier, there's multiple factors that go into that. The The Fed's only got so much control in the, the economy. The private sector has a ton of pent-up demand, and it's just, you know, nobody knows how that's really going to play itself out. But that's, it appears right now that what the Fed is, ultimately trying to accomplish is they're solely focused on inflation right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great transition point. So uh, b- before we move to that, the Fed uses two things to stimulate and retract the economy, interest rates and the money supply. So the purchasing and selling of uh, treasury securities. Sean, you mentioned earlier that the Fed announced that they plan to stop or slow the purchases of bonds. So what impact is that going to have on us? They've been talking about slowing it for some time. I think now they've gotten to where they really are serious about slowing the purchases that they started um, during the COVID slowdown. Sure. So that is is complicated to say exactly what, what's going to happen from that, but I think it feeds into just their overall policy of trying to control um, this outrunning inflation CPI number that we're seeing. And I would just add to Josh mentioned earlier, as it relates to interest rate uh, hikes for the rest of the year, you know, it, it's a possibility that we could see, you know, a 50 basis points uh, increase. And, you know, you have to remember that we're coming off of a extremely low, historically low interest rate environment. Um, and, you know, one of their goals is to, of course, monitor inflation, but also get back to a more neutral interest rate level. So when we think about um, them increasing rates, trying to get back to a neutral level and combat inflation at the same time, um, that's one of the reasons why we may see a a larger increase moving forward is to try and help speed up that process. Yeah, 
Interesting. It's a good point. Without interest rates being up, if we run into some sort of economic situation again, we've got they've got no ability to pull strings again. So great point. Yeah, I agree with you, Sean. I mean, it, I think about the interest rate increases definitely is to combat the inflation, but it's also to, to normalize interest rates. Interest rates have been low for a very long time. Um, economically, we need to have a healthy trend of interest rates for the economy to be healthy. So, yes, they are increasing at a pretty good clip, and I would expect them to uh, currently, but it's still it does – it does get us to this, that more healthy level of interest rates because if something does happen, we're not against the wall. We do have tools to combat that. Sure. Need some dry powder, That's they right. would say. Um, a question for you, Josh. I think this will be interesting for our listeners. They raised rates a quarter of a point in March. What was it at before they raised it? Zero. Zero. Okay. So now they raised rates by a quarter of a percent to a quarter of a percent. I think that's interesting. Not, that's going to surprise a lot of people that are listening to it. I, I think it will because there is a disconnect between, you know, the, the Fed funds rate and the 10-year treasury and mortgage rates, and, and they're all interconnected and, and affected by each other, but there's not one that's pegged against, you know, all others. Sure, sure. So um, let's just turn to inflation. We, we, we talked about that there are two main roles of stimulating the economy and controlling inflation. Josh, we hear on the news all the time um, people talk about core inflation, headline inflation. What What's the difference in the two? Yeah, so it, it is certainly confusing. Yeah. Uh, anytime an economist uses jargon or acronyms, uh, it can be confusing for the average person. But the way that I like to think about it is you have two different CPI readings. You have headline CPI and you have core CPI. Consumer consumer price index. Consumer price index, okay. which is um, defined very simply as a basket of goods that they monitor the cost of on a monthly basis. Okay. So from month to month, they can change. Uh, your headline CPI is basically the whole basket of goods and services. And then the core CPI, they remove energy and food. And in our business, we giggle at times because energy and food to, to most of us is a, a large budget item. So um, they both have their usages. We look at both of them. Uh, but like in the current environment, headline CPI, because it involves energy and food right now, it is higher than your core CPI based on energy prices. Is typically the reason for that because those are two of the more day-to-day or week-to-week volatile items and we can get a better picture of the whole economy by looking at a metric that removes those that's exactly right yeah they're more volatile and and they are you know i would consider food and energy you know part of that whole whole budget system so interesting Mm -hmm. interesting anything else we want to be sure and touch on today guys i i think one one thing this goes back a little bit in the conversation, but I think it's important for us to step back a lot of times and think about the broader picture. And Josh was talking about interest rates on mortgages. We talked about the bond market. If you're under 30, you know, you're likely mad that interest rates on mortgages are at 5% now because people were getting them at 3%. But if we step back and think 30 year jumbo mortgages are now in the five to five and a quarter range Historically, that's still 
pretty inexpensive and still makes owning a home very affordable for people. So while interest rates have increased sharply, mortgages have increased sharply, they're still in a pretty low range historically, especially if we go back to think about, you know, when baby boomers were buying their first homes and interest rates were in the high teens. That's a great point. Yep. And just like you said earlier, when people shout bad news, everybody wants to listen. But when um, when people get on the news and they have level, calm heads and they want to look at historical perspective and, you know, um, be really reassuring to long-term investors out there, they don't get a lot of face time because that's not what that's not that's not what sells. Fear and greed sell. Um, and that's just the world that we live in. So our goal is to try to help weed through some of that and help calmer heads prevail because we know that you only get one chance uh, as an investor through your lifetime to to go through things. So we appreciate everyone listening today to trust us in helping you navigate the capital markets and your investing and financial life. Uh, it's truly an honor to serve you all. We look forward to bringing this content to you every single month. We look forward to seeing you in our offices and talking with you on the phone. And until next time, uh, we are signing off for the April 2022 Perry Ritchie Group Advisor Roundtable. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. You may visit our website at thejprgroup.com for more information about our team or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to speak to a financial advisor on our team, please contact our office at 270-467-9664. We hope to hear from you soon. This podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable sources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird and Company, Inc., a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC.